Welcome back. This is Kurt Hardy. You're listening to Zeros on the Board podcast. I'd like to welcome back to the show once again, Jeff Bruce. We're here to talk some Milwaukee Bucks, and we'll get right into it. I want to talk about Greg Monroe. And it seemed like a great signing for Milwaukee when it happened. I know I was very excited. Unfortunately, the rest of the NBA decided that big, slow centers were not going to be part of the future as the rest of the league changed. Greg Monroe has one true year um, left on his contract um, that's counting this season. Going into the 2017-18 season, it is a player option. And so my first question for you, Jeff, is if you're Greg Monroe's agent, do you let him go into free agency or do you take that one year to stay in the box? Well, I think that all the indications have to be that, that Greg Monroe is going to opt out. Um, I think that, you know, you have to remember that it was a pretty lucrative contract that we offered him, but at the same time, the market exploded one year after Greg Monroe signed that contract. You see guys that are much less proven than Greg Monroe, much, uh, you know, less gifted, less less good players, for, for lack of better wording, than Greg Monroe, who got the same or even more money last summer. So I think that if, if you're his agent, especially, you're pushing him. To, to opt out because as an agent, you want to share that too. So I think that Greg Monroe with his improved play this year, he's redeemed himself from last year when, you know, last year he was, he was very, very ineffective, but his defense has been better this year. He's been a little bit more athletic, a little quicker. I think that definitely he will be opting out and he will command a pretty good price on the market. See, I'm back and forth on it. And from one perspective, if I'm his agent, I, I, I like the idea of opting out just because I do not want to go into free agency the same year as Boogie Cousins. And I think that'd be uh, just an extremely scary situation. However, I, I, on that same point, you could have, let's say you had three or four teams um, really vying in for Boogie and only one team's going to get them. And so if the rest, te- the rest of these teams are trying to save up to get them, they, they might really be able to take a chance and overpay for him as well. But at the end of the day, I'm not. I understand that the the cap's really inflated, and there's some ridiculous money going on around there. But I'm not entirely sure, especially with the fact that the Bucks have really tried to trade him, at least get a decent offer, and haven't been able to do so. I'd really be afraid of the suitors out there willing to pay him at least the 17.8 million. And so I think because of that, my safe thought would be to have him finish out his contract and hope that maybe in the meantime, Boogie signs a big extension with New Orleans. On that note, I actually want to change it over to John Henson now. John Henson is still on contract through the 2019-20 season, getting paid $12.2 million. It is actually receding each year. He'll actually finish with 9.7 in that final season. But I know there's a lot of excitement. Um, when we did sign him, obviously, we were really looking to get rid of some of the older players and really try to build this this own-the-future mentality where we're re-signing this young core to continue to develop and get better. But I'm going to be honest with you, Jeff. I really thought that when we signed Henson out of North Carolina in the first round, by now I really thought he was going to be that dominant either four or five player for us. And I think he's more or less plateaued out into that player off the bench. And I, I don't know, am I, am I really off base here? Or what do you see... What's the what's the potential for Henson moving forward? Well, I'll tell you one thing. What I think the biggest problem with John Henson is, which is a problem that I and probably many other men my age wish we had, which is that the guy can't gain a damn pound. He is well known for frequenting Chipotle and Qdoba. He loves his burritos. He loves double chicken with guac. And the guy is still a beanpole. 
And that that's one of the biggest problems for him. He still has the length. He has good shot blocking instincts. He's only played four games this month, but in those four games, he's averaged 2.3 blocks a game. He can still affect the interior defense unless he runs up against someone who actually can gain a pound. When Whenever I see John Henson trying to guard Carl Anthony Towns, whenever we play Minnesota, it reminds me of me trying to guard Kurt or a pre-adolescent little brother trying to play in the driveway against his teenage older brother. It's just unfair to watch. So that that is the issue with John Henson. That and the fact that he hasn't developed any offensive moves other than the left-handed hook shot. But absolutely, you know, you can see that if you ask... Yeah, I, I think that definitely we regret that contract, especially considering it was pre-the salary cap explosion. You know, we managed to dump one bad contract in, in Miles Plumley earlier this year. I'm not sure if we'd be able to get away with a second one, but certainly for me, John Henson, you know, we just, we need his metabolism to go away and then maybe something will work out for him. But for now, he's just ineffective. Spencer Hawes is a more viable all-around option off the bench. Greg Monroe is playing well. And Thon Maker, you want to develop. He has more potential. So there's just no place in the rotation for John Henson right now. Glad you brought up Thon Maker. Um, because he's something that when I think think of this team, I, I mentioned on a a past podcast where you don't need this team to be great this year. At the end of the day, if we end up going against Cleveland, we're going to get smoked. And so I really try to think long term with this team, two or three years down the road, where's this team going to be? And because of that, I don't always focus or get excited about the seven or eight seed. I want to see development. And so because of that, especially with the injury to Jabari Parker, I really thought we'd see a lot more of Thon Maker, especially if we're not... Not necessarily even playing him at the five, but we'll even throw him at the four once in a while. I really thought we were going to see a jump in his minutes. And even now, this month, he's still only averaging 10 minutes a game. Is this just a, a lack in trust of him for, coming from kid? Or what do you think the situation is? Well, I think that the Bucks are in an interesting conundrum right now where they want to develop their young talent, um, mainly being Thon Maker. Malcolm Brogdon is already pretty developed in himself. But at the same time, they are play, chasing a playoff spot. They do want to be in the playoffs. We're building this new arena. We have this whole own the future moniker. Everybody's trying to get the city excited about this team. You can't get a city excited about a team when they haven't been excited about a team for for a decade by rebuilding. So I think that they're in this dilemma where they want to be good, but they also want to develop Don Maker. But right now, Spencer Hawes is a better option to play second fiddle to Greg Monroe at the center position than Don Maker. Don Maker, I, I agree with you, Kurt, that absolutely, you know, he's a great talent. And we do want to develop him, but it's, you know, you just, it's hard to find that balance between wanting to win now and wanting to win later. It's almost like what Jason Kidd is doing is that he wants to win enough now, but, you know, right now is just Spencer Haas is just a better player than Thon Maker, and there's only so many minutes to go, go around. I think that trade for Haas and Hibbert, but Hibbert never ended up suiting up, uh, actually hurt Thon Maker a lot because he had already surpassed John Henson in the rotation. He had surpassed Miles Plumley in the rotation. But then you bring in an all-around decent player like Spencer Hawes, and he is he has been relegated more so since then. I agree with you that kid just needs to win enough at this point, and I think it's one got to be a little frustrating for him. But honestly, I think he's getting a lot of pressure from up top to to even just make the playoffs, as you mentioned, build that excitement with the new arena. My only problem with that is I think back to four or five years ago when we had the Senator running the team and we would just be 7th or 8th seed every year and just get crushed in the playoffs. And we would say, it's so terrible. Like, why are we doing this? And back then, 
it was terrible to get the eighth seed. We were so sick of it. And now it's only a few years later, and we are jumping out of our seats excited for the eighth seed. I don't get it. I, I, don't, I don't understand, Jeff. And, again, it's, I, I know there's excitement for it, but we better hope they win a few more to get up to at least six or seven where at least have a viable chance. Um, I do not want to see an eighth seed where they get crushed by Cleveland. In fact, especially with my mindset two or three years down the road, I'd rather have us lose out just so we have a chance, even that tiny chance at a lottery pick. Because, um, again, I don't, if, if we're just going to get crushed by Cleveland, I would at least take the two or three draft spots higher than what they're getting right now. So that's the biggest thing I just don't understand, how you know, three, four years ago, eight seed was terrible, and now we're so excited about it. When you think about our run of being the eight seed, that was pre-Giannis, of course. And you know, it was just a different era for the team. Right now, we're trying to actually build ourselves into a, a legitimate contender in the Eastern Conference, whereas previously, we were, we were just an afterthought. Even as a playoff team, no one ever thought anything of us. And I, I do think that, yes, we will get smoked in the first round by Cleveland if we play them as the eight seed. But at the same time, it's a series that would be interesting to watch because the Bucks have played Cleveland tough this year. But yes, we, we would lose probably in five. I would give us one game. But yeah, the importance of getting up to that seven or six seed or even a five is is so important. Um, I don't want to play Boston either, personally. But I do think that I'd give us a legitimate fighting chance against Washington or Toronto right now. I think that both of those teams um, would not be able to contain Giannis in the least. So yes, being an eight seed would be disappointing for me right now, I know some people are excited about it. And I think that that goes back to just the, the whole idea of trying to market the team. But there are a lot of people out there in Milwaukee and in Wisconsin who do not follow basketball very closely. That's the target audience that the Bucks are trying to gather in right now. They don't care about the hardcore fans. They already have us. They're trying to get people to follow this team who turn off all the sports channels after the Packers get out in the playoffs. And those people just see playoff team versus not playoff team. I think that is what makes the eight seed seem desirable for some, although not for us. Well, appreciate the insight, Jeff. That's all we got for today. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks again to Jeff Bruce for joining us for a second show in a row. And be sure to like our Facebook page. Let us know how we're doing. And until next time, this is Kurt Hardy. You've been listening to Zeros on a Board podcast.